Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. John chapter 1, I want to um, speak to you about authority. DK did a great job of laying a uh, foundation of biblical spiritual authority. I want to continue to build on that, and it's, um, it's going to connect to the testimony that Monica was just sharing, and it's also going to connect to the deposit that Peter left because the Scripture says that all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so for, for I can put that to you really simple. Creation is groaning for us to become like the person who lives inside of us. Creation is hungry and in need of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus, as you just read through the Gospels in an unreligious way, you just read what's happening, and before you try to extrapolate a quote or a principle or something that you can put on a devotional, um, you, you, when you just read what's actually happening, it's like Jesus is handling problems all the time. That's what ministry is. If you want to do ministry, you want to, you're going to have to learn how to first deal with your own issues so that you can help people with their problems. That, that's a lot of what ministry actually is because people grew up in dysfunction. Dysfunction begets dysfunction, and the more dysfunction, the more pain. And that's a result not of trauma. We don't like to say this word anymore, but it's actually sin. And sin leads to death, and death leads to hell. And Jesus took all the punishment and, and all that, but to also show us how to live so that we can do things the right way. So creation is groaning for Christ and for the manifestation of Christ within his people. So this is, this is very simple, but yet it's, it's not. So all of this sits in the context of the vision of the vision is Jesus, the mission is people, bringing Jesus to people, bringing people to Jesus, and teaching them to obey him. That's what we're about here. So, so it's like we are a local church with a global footprint, but this is what we're about. So if you're like, what are you about? That's what we're about. And you can just change the logo if it's a mission strip, or if it's local, you can just switch the logo. But like, what are you about? This is what I'm about. This is what we're about. I just want to clarify that. Um, anyway, now this generation hates authority because it hates accountability and loves excuses. Excuses are lies that we believe. Excuses many times are a verbal explanation of trying to have other people feel empathy for why you haven't changed and did what's right. When you stand before God, I want to just prepare you just for one thing. I don't want you upset with me. But when you stand before God, I just want to give you the full disclaimer here. When you stand before God, none of the excuses that you make to like me or yourself or your mom or dad, none of those excuses will work. I just want to tell you that. Like, you know, like, you know, you like, you know, you tell the officer, like, why are you going 120 miles an hour in a school? You know, I just got a new car. I didn't know how fast it was. Like, none of these excuses will work. I just want to prepare you for that, only to just to help you, you know? And um, anyway, you have authority for who you, you're becoming. So this is very important. I don't have grace to be you, Right? And you don't have grace to be like me. So your goal is not to be like me. My goal is not to be like you. Our goal is to become Christ-like. So we're supposed to be unique expressions of Christ in the earth with your unique personality, your looks, how you are, but with his character, with his power as a representative of his kingdom and of his name, which we're going to get into the name in a minute. Um, but you have authority for who you're becoming. This is very important because I don't have grace to be, grace is not for me, for who I pretend to be. Grace, I don't have grace for the facade that I put up so people will think I'm okay. I only have grace to become who God called me to be, which puts me in a position where I have to deal with things that would prohibit me from becoming who God called me to be. So let's say I have bad habits from because I learned that from my family of origin. In other words, I, you know, daddy left, so I got, 
you know, a money issue. So I view money as a sense of security because daddy walked out and he left, so I'm afraid. So money is this sense of security to me when it, when it really doesn't provide all that much security as much as you think. So I, put, I overvalue it or, or you know, uh, maybe you overvalue education or I think that there's things that are valuable, but it's very important that we don't overvalue something. Um, many times you see something goes on sale. Why does it go on sale? It goes on sale because it was overvalued. It going on sale is an indicator that it was overvalued. So, so anyway, you are not on sale when Jesus bought you. I just, I just wanted to just, just say that to you. You are like valuable, broken, dirty, messed up, and crazy. You are still not on sale. Just to, just to encourage you with all that. I came to church, pastor told me I was broken, dirty, and nasty, but valuable. <laughs> all right, well, when we were all messed up, he said, I see value. He sees the image. Okay, now, another thing, this is another bit of encouragement before we get into the biblical text. You have authority for your assignment. You have favor to function in your calling. So when God sends you somewhere, you have favor to flow and to function as God ordained you to flow. So we were just on a trip and there were certain things that needed to happen for us to fulfill why we were sent there. Are you, are you tracking with me? So now the Lord brings relationships and resources and people and orchestrate circumstances and situations all work, working all those things together for our good, for his purposes. And so there was great joy and, and the whole experience was just marked by favor. So you have, again, authority and favor for your assignment and calling. This is important because I cannot fulfill your calling. I cannot be who God called you to be. You cannot be like me. We, we have to be like him and we have to flow in our metron and be powerful in the sphere of influence that he's given us because there's people that you come into contact with every single day. They don't need more of me. They don't need more of you. They need more of Jesus. And if we're not Christ-like, if we don't understand who we are in the kingdom and what he's provided, we have nothing for them. And uh, that's not... That's not how God created us. He created us to be contributors. Now, DK said a good thing in his message. For those of you who didn't hear it, I encourage you to go listen to it. But he said that authority is for serving. Another way to say that is authority is for mission. Now, for it to be a mission, there must be clear objectives. Therefore, you will need direction and instructions. If you can't follow instructions, you are not ready for mission. I am repeating this. I said this a few weeks ago. I'm saying it again on purpose, not because I've run out of things to say, but because I'm trying to remind you that God gives us authority for who we're becoming and for what he's called us to do. So I want to speak to those two things today. And um, anyway, to be mission ready, you need to get healing and get discipled. After being discipled, then you are ready to be mentored. Being mentored will help you to become proficient and excellent in your calling. Here's what happens. Many times people go to a life coach or they go, to, they go for someone to tell them how to do what they're doing better and what they build with their gifts, they destroy with their character. You see it all the time. And uh, that is not the, the way it's supposed to happen. What actually happens is you come to God broken, he heals you, he trains you, and then, you, then he hones the skill set that he's given you so that you can have longevity and success in that calling. Not so that you can be like another dying star, someone, you know, one hit wonder. You, you know, you rise and then you, you, you fall. That's, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the kingdom of God. That's not the ways of God. That's not the purposes of God. And that's not how God operates. That happens because many times people are impatient and they have to have what they want now, but they don't have the grace or the wisdom to steward it. And so they destroy themselves with what was supposed to be a blessing for them. A blessing out of season will destroy you. That's part of the, the, the benefit of tithing. People don't know the benefit of tithing. Tithing is an expression of putting God first, but tithing is not only about that, 
If you read Malachi 3.10, he says this one thing. He said, and your vines will not bear fruit before their time. Here's what happens if a vine bears fruit before its time. It doesn't have the root system to contain and to hold the fruits, so the tree topples over. That's what happens. So when you intentionally put God first in your finances with the first fruits of your increase, you're building a foundation for your life that can handle the blessing that God wants to pour out. Very important. You, you see all the time people who get, get rich fast, they were not conditioned to succeed and they fail. It happens all the time with people who hit the lottery. They grew up around poverty. They grew up with, well, how do I know that? Look where all, look, go into the hood, go into where poverty is dominant, where violence is dominant. You will see more lottery than anywhere else. See? That whole get rich quick thing is, is, is a trap. The Bible says, he who makes haste to get rich shall not be innocent. So if you violate certain principles, you know who you're going to hurt? Yourself. So these people that get rich, they were not conditioned for success, and they can't handle it. It destroys them. You look at rappers, basketball players, you look at a whole bunch of people who got an extreme amount of money, were not conditioned to handle it, and it destroyed them. I can tell you that happened to church people too, but I'm not going to say any names, and that, that's not my intent, but it's, it's not really good. So anyway... If you come with me to John chapter 1, I'm going to move through this quickly. I cannot really do this whole thing today well, but I'm going to do it well enough for there to be clarity. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Let me just explain to you that the beginning is not a when, the beginning is a who. Jesus said in Revelation 1, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. The word is not a what, the word is a who. The word is how all things were created. Nothing that was made was made without the word. Let me explain this to you. It's almost like when the father opens up his mouth and speaks, Jesus comes forth. Your words represent you when you're not there. Make sure they count. Make sure when you say something, someone can take it to the bank. Make sure. Make sure. Especially if you want to preach, if you can't even keep your word, you don't need to be talking about God's word. Hold off on that. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was Zoe. In him was life. You find that 36 times in the, in the Gospel of John. In him was Zoe, where we get Zoe's name. In him was Zoe, which is the God kind of life, the God quantity and the God quality of life. In him was life. And that light, uh, and that life, excuse me, was the force or was the light or was the rays and the brilliance and the radiance of God. In him was life. The life was the light of men. In other words, all the people that come into the world come into the world through the life of God. God is the one who gives life. Satan does not have life, that's why he takes life. Satan does not have money, that's why he steals your money. He is a thief. God is a giver. See, when, you listen to, when you're listening to a voice, you have to ask yourself, are you listening to a giver or are you listening to a thief? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to someone who wants to defend you or someone who wants to accuse you? Are you listening to someone who wants to build you up and edify you or someone who wants to tear you down and take you to hell? You have to be careful what you listen to because what you listen to will eventually get into your mind, get into your heart and come out of your mouth and the words that you speak determine the lifestyle that you live in. For example, the words that you speak determine the company you will keep. Powerful people do not like to listen to powerless people speak. They will remove themselves. If you're always complaining and you're always moaning and groaning in victim, I promise you, you'll have no powerful friends because powerful people don't want to hear that. That was all free. 
And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or did not overcome it. So this is good. So the light cannot be overcame. What happens when you're in a dark room? You flick the light switch on, immediately darkness flees. There's no battle. There's no contention. There's no spiritual warfare. You turn the light on, darkness flees. Are you with me? All right. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness. He came to bring actual real evidence. So, so like, for example, if they looked at us, would there be evidence of Jesus' resurrection in our life? Would there be evidence of the reality of God? If we looked into your life, if we looked into your family, if we looked into your finances, if we looked into your habits, if we looked into your words, if we looked into your thought life, would there be evidence that God is real? It's a question. So this man sent from God was John, and he came uh, for a witness to bear witness of the light that through him uh, might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John the Baptist, the scripture says, was a burning and a shining lamp. John shined so hard that they asked John if he was the Messiah. Imagine people are like, yo, bro, you're shining so much. Like, are you Jesus, bro? When was the last time someone said, yo, you the Messiah? Because you're flowing, man. John was flowing, just so you know. John is like, I'm not him. But imagine living in such a way you have to tell people who you're not because of how you live. That's very powerful. Okay. That was the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the cosmos, so the world. Jesus died for the whole world, not just for me or for you or your cousins and family, but for the whole world. All of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. That's like, it's not easy. He created a reality called heaven and earth, right? And then he came through the womb of a virgin and stepped into that reality. And the people that he created were like, I don't know you. Imagine you go to your house and you go to sit at your table and your kids look at you and go, who are you? Who am I? I pay the light bill. I pay the food bill. <laughs> and that, that was the treatment that he got. Who, who are you? From his own people. The greatest threat to us is always our own people. What destroyed Germany wasn't America, was Germany. The first slaves, they were sold by their own people. The greatest threat to us is never them, it's always us. The greatest threat to the church is not the world, it's not gay marriage, it's not abortion, and believe it or not, it's not Joe Biden. The greatest threat to the church is a lukewarm church that doesn't bear the testimony of Jesus. That's the greatest threat. The greatest threat is not, you know, a demonic society. The greatest threat is a lukewarm church. So anyway, now we're going to get into this. Okay, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Now, the word receive him here is the word where they did not become intimately acquainted with him. They did not come near him. They were like, they did not receive him. Now, I have to say this because for those of you who know other languages, English is like subtitles on a movie. You ever watch subtitles on a movie? It's frustrating. I'm like, I'm, I'm here. I want to watch TV. I don't want to read a book. I have books, iPads. I like that. I came here to veg out, not to read a screen, but to watch a movie. And I got to read subtitles. I'm like, that's how, if I could express the, la the English language, English language is very flat. The Greek and the Hebrew and Spanish and Portuguese and French, different languages are, 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 are much more expressive in nature so if I read to you a Greek word or a Hebrew word which is the language of scripture it's not like a bullet point you see these like a bullet point boom 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 a Greek word or a Hebrew word it's more like a graffiti mural it's more like a picture that is being painted something that is communicating something more than just a point like Shalom 
Shalom is not just peace or happiness. It's blessing, favor, overflow, abundance, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's like a whole picture. So, so it, instead of it being like, you know, a bunch of zeros in a bank account, it would be like an estate. Like it's just a whole different picture uh, uh, to try to communicate something. So this word receive in English here is not the same as the word receive that we're going to get in verse 12. This is important. This is where I want to get to. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. This is important. To those who believe in his name. We're going we're gonna to get into this. Who were born not of, of blood, which is like speaking of natural, right? Uh, nor of the will of the flesh. The will of the flesh is like, I got to have kids. I got to, you know, for my name, for my family, for me. I, I remember like when my wife couldn't have kids for a while, like we had trouble. We lost two children. I was thinking, yo, like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to have me. I need to have myself, my name, I, me. What am I going to do? This was a big, for me, was a, this was a big controversy in my heart because I'm like, yo, God created you to be fruitful and multiply. I felt this was a sense of responsibility, a sense of legacy, that there was something important, not just natural. So there was something there. So I was, I was brought into a place where I had to really seek the Lord because I was disturbed by something and I did not have the ability to make it happen myself. So it caused me to seek the Lord. In serious way. Some people say, oh, I don't care about that. I did. I really, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here it comes. So now, this is a verse that is speaking of adoption. And so, but as many, you're a part of that many, I hope. <laughs> you can get bored again today. If you're not, it's totally free. Cost Jesus everything. No, no pressure, you know, no pressure. Um, but as many as received him. Now, those, this word received him is not like a nice, like if I come to you. Brad, come here. I'm going to give you an aggressive. I'm going to show you what this is. Now, as this is a perfect person for this. Plus, he's on camera with this hoodie. You see this? This is powerful. All right. So now, now I'm going to give you this book, and you're going to receive it like you would receive like a normal gift. Thank you. Love you, bro. Love you. All right. That's Spanish. Give it back to me. Here, read that. Sorry. Now, that's not the receive of Scripture. I'm not really into all these uh, illustrations, but I want you to see this. I want you to snatch it from my hand. I mean, no, no, no. Like, snatch it out of my hand, bro. But you got to grab it. Hold on. Let's try this. I wish I had a football. If I had a football, he would be able to. It's supposed to be easy. All right. Snatch it out of my hand, but hold on to it. You see that? As many as received him. You can say it. That's the word. The word is the word lambano. It is to seize. In other words, it's to grab something. I mean to viciously grab it. I'll tell you a story. One time we were in Haiti. This is a crazy story. And uh, we were in Haiti in a bad neighborhood. The neighborhood was so bad that the people got paid at the police station. <laughs> so it's me and this big black kid named Brandon, light-skinned guy from the south. Big guy. He makes me look small. Big guy. And uh, so we're in Haiti, and we're in this bad neighborhood delivering water filters. And uh, these guys come, and they take our buckets from our truck. And so now I'm like, I'm like the New Jersey side of me is upset. But then the, the common sense side of me is like, there's stones all over this place. We could literally get stoned. Uh, this could really turn into a bad situation. We have women and we have children. And then the Christian side of me is like, how am I going to handle this with wisdom? So I have like three, three, three things happening. So I walk up to the guy and literally rip the buckets right out of his hand. I'm talking about like, I mean, when I grabbed it, I... I ripped it out of his hand, like, woof, and he just looked at me. And then that encouraged my brother Brandon to rip the buckets out of the other guy's hand. 
and that I looked the guy dead in the face and I said, you're not going to steal from us, we're going to bless you. That was the door maybe, but we had, to, we had to break through a door one time in Africa, Brett and I. They're just blessed that Brett didn't get through the door first. So, so anyway, that's another story. Kenya is like North New Jersey, but we're going to take a team to Kenya with Mike. Um, so anyway, so my dad says, hey, buddy, if you would have got robbed in that neighborhood, you could never go back there. <laughs> you can't minister there, buddy, you know. So anyway, but that, that word lambano is not like, oh, you know, I received Jesus. Oh, like, oh, like, not like, uh. no, 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 it's, it's man, you better, you better lay hold of that. You, you, better, you better grab onto that. You better pull on that with all of your strength and all of your might. You better hold on. Now, here's the good news. The good news is we're not kept by our power. We're kept by God's power. But you got to hold on. And you got to lay hold of. And that word received is not like, oh, it is to. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. This is not, again, we go to the English language. It's just things. It's just not a good language. I'm sorry. I say that as a white male. A straight white male who's Christian. <laughs> the evilest of all, all you know, people. Ah! So anyway, but as many as received him, to them he gave. We're going to touch on the, one of the bad words. Guess what the word is? Privilege. Uh-oh. Privilege. Ah, privilege. To them he gave privilege. You know what I hear people talking? White privilege, is it real, is it not? I don't hear no one talking about kingdom privilege. I am a child of God, therefore I have his favor. You don't hear people talk like that. People are always on the surface. This is deeper. To them, he gave privilege, ability, capacity, force, liberty, power, Delegated influence, jurisdiction, exousia is the Greek word, authority to those who believe. So your identity is rooted in your authority. Guess where you react and guess where you respond from? Your identity. When you get pushed, either a son responds or an orphan responds when when you have a financial issue either a son or a daughter comes forth or an orphan that there's not going to be enough oh my god <gasps> either the mentality of lack is what is dominant or the mentality of abundance is dominant so it's either sons or orphans this is always what's happening. We're always responding from our identity. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we have the courage to admit it or not, we respond from the very center, from the core of who we are. When someone goes, oh, I didn't mean to say that. No, the problem is you really did actually mean to say that. Because scientifically speaking, and since we trust the science, it is impossible to say something that you haven't thought about. Physically impossible. And the scripture is also with the science on this one. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means that out of the overflow of what is in the heart or out of that nasty leftover... You know, when you put like, <laughs> I don't like these. Some of you do this. I don't like leftovers. You like leftovers? Yes. I don't like leftovers. There's only few things that are good leftover. Anyway. But when you leave something for too long, it becomes sour. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of that leftover thing that went sour, your mouth spoke. 
Maybe you've never done that, only me. <laughs> but as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority to become, here it comes, the children, this is not, I want to just tell you, this is not the right translation. Because this is a gender neutral one. <laughs> I know we're into genders. But, but this is not the right translation. The right translation is sons. I know people are mad at me. But the reason he uses the word sons in the first century is because sons bear the family name. Sons have authority and an inheritance. Daughters did not have, I'm sorry ladies, did not have an inheritance. Why? Because someone else was going to marry them, pay a dowry, and then they were going to take his name. Now you have 26 names. But they did not have 26 names then, 14 middle names and 3 last names. They didn't have that. They got married and then they bore the name. So, it's using the word sons here to become the sons. It is the word technon. Now this is for daughters too. This is not, in the kingdom we have an inheritance, right? So this is for daughters, but the, the reason he uses the word sons or technon is, is, is to, you become a little boy. Unless you enter the kingdom like a little child, you cannot enter. So you get authority and power to become little and to relearn everything but as an adopted child with identity and with inheritance. And you're going to have to relearn everything if you're going to live in the kingdom. Now, if you're going to live one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, you're going to be double-minded, you're, you're going to have a spirit of necromancy, which is to take counsel from the dead. Many Christians have a spirit of necromancy because they take counsel from the dead. They don't go to the graveyard, but they listen to dead things and dead people. I don't consult the dead. My mom died. I don't go to her urn and be like, hey, mom, how are you feeling? She's dead, but she's not dead. She's alive. Her body's dead. So you have to get out of that necromancy in terms of talking to dead things. Your old nature that has been crucified, that person is dead. Don't talk to him. He doesn't live here. He was buried. Where was he buried? in a baptism tank in Wyckoff, New Jersey. So that Adam that you're talking, I don't know about him, he died on Wellington Drive in Wyckoff. So I don't know who, who is it that you're addressing because this is, this is a new creation. So, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Now, the word name here is his character and authority. We have authority in his what? We have identity in his what? We have purpose in his name. We are living for the name and the fame of Jesus. We're not, we're not here for me or you or anyone else. We're here for him. When we go out to those streets and we pass food out and we pray for people, it's about him. It's not about, it's about Jesus. It's about his name. Okay, we're almost done. And the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, so the same way that people behold Jesus' glory, they should be able to behold His glory in us. 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. So when people come into contact with us, they are supposed to come into contact with him because we are representatives, not of us, but of him. Are, are you with me? This is important because whatever is dominant in our life is what other people will experience of us. For example, maybe you have a friend that you love, but they're going through, let's say, a very hard time. When you communicate and listen to them, you are coming into contact with what is dominant in their life. So if they're in pain, if they're anxious, if they're angry, if they're disappointed, when you come into contact with them, you're coming into contact with that. When people come into contact with us, they should be coming into contact with the peace of Christ, with the joy of the Lord, with peace that passes all understanding, with I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know who's working it out. With I don't know how, but I know who. They should come into contact. When they, when they come in here, this is a whole different world. They're coming into contact with something completely, completely different. We are ambassadors who are marked by grace and truth. Not just grace, not just truth. Grace and truth. That's very important. Truth brings freedom. You can have all the grace in the world and still not have freedom. God can extend his whole entire self to you, everything he has, but if you don't accept the truth of that, you won't be free. And it's not knowing the truth in your head that makes you free. It's knowing the truth in your heart, acting out in that truth that brings freedom. For example, I'm going to do second illustration, which I'm really not really into illustrations. To say that I trust this chair, I trust in this chair. I trust in this chair. I don't really trust in this chair until I sit in this chair. You can say, oh, I trust Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I believe the gospel, blah, blah, blah. But until it reshapes how you live and how you rest. See, if it does not reshape how you live and how you rest, it has not reshaped you. If something changes, if, if, if we allow Christ to change how we live and how we rest, or how we work, and how we find refreshment that will reshape our reflexes. How you rest matters. Many times we go to things for rest and only find more fatigue. You know, it's interesting. People go on a vacation, then they need a vacation from the vacation. Because they're going to something, but it cannot produce rest. All the vacation in the world cannot produce rest. Rest is when your heart and your mind is alignment with Jesus and you allow your body to be recharged by what your spirit and your soul are experiencing. That's why people can sleep 10 hours and still be tired because it's not their body that's tired, it's their soul that's tired. And then they go to the doctor. Hey, give me some pills. All right, here's 12 more pills. And you're still tired. Now you're tired and addicted. And he just bought his second Porsche. See, th this is the thing with our society and with our culture is, for example, the whole transgender movement. That whole thing is a manifestation of self-hatred. I hate myself so deeply that I will mutilate myself. And I'll call that freedom. That's not freedom. That's bondage. But let's deal with the issue. Let's not just point fingers at those type of folks, but let's love people and say, you're created in the image and the likeness of God. You don't have to live with hatred. Maybe something bad happened to you, but you don't, you don't have to live with self-hatred or self-bitterness. You can be free. You can forgive people. You can be forgiven. You, you are not what someone did to you. You are, not who, you are not who left you. You know, people are like, oh, you know, you're fatherless, fatherless, fatherless. Listen, the moment you embrace your father in heaven, you have a father. And that father is the one that provides identity and direction 
and inheritance and security. And that father is the one who brings you into a place of favor. And your heavenly father can do what your earthly father cannot do. As good as earthly fathers can be, they're not perfect. Our heavenly father is, is perfect in all of his ways. And he is, he is always present for us to provide us with the love and the security that we need to live significant lives. Humans, let me just say this. Humans, if you give me just a few more minutes. Humans are thirsty for two things. Security and significance. That's what humans want. Humans want to make sure that someone cares about them, they're loved, and they have a house and they're not going to starve to death. So those are good things. But what happens is, in Christ is where we find both of those things that help us relate to those thirsts correctly. Because if you're ever too thirsty for something, you're going to get exploited based on that thirst. The Bible says that to the thirsty soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So it's possible to become so thirsty that you'll drink something bitter, and it's possible for your desires to distort your discernment. You could want something so badly that you'll settle for a fake. You could want something so badly that you will settle for a fake. I'm not into fake. I don't know. Maybe some people like fake. I'm not into fake. So, so anyway, we have to allow the Lord to teach us how to become children that we could then become mature sons and daughters in the kingdom. So that requires humility. That requires dependence. The idea of a child, when you fill out your taxes, a child is a dependent. We are supposed to be dependents on the Lord. Let me, let me explain something to you. This, this, I hope this encourages someone. When you were adopted into the family of God, God the Father assumes moral responsibility for you. Which means I'm not going to be lacking. I'm not going to be lacking. I don't care if the society goes to hell. I am not going to be lacking. David said, never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I will never lack anything in my life. Not because of me, because of my father. How can I represent someone well that I'm not confident in? You can't. That's why it's critical that we get to know the Father, that we get to know Christ, that we know the Holy Spirit, that we allow Him to raise us in His house. Children do not raise themselves. They need to be raised and reared. They need to be raised and reared. And some of you, you need that. Diaper change, a little spanking, because some of us are too much. People, you say, oh, I'm not, uh, you, you're not... You're not enough. I'm not enough. No, you, some of us are too much. That's the thing that people say, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. I'm like, no, you're not enough. We need Jesus. Uh, you're enough. You're crazy. Anyway, all right. Before I get myself in trouble here. Let me read you a few quotes and I'll end. Creation is a foundational doctrine of the Christian faith. Virtually every other aspect of theology rests upon our understanding of God as the origin of all life and the role of Jesus Christ, the Word, in creation. John could hardly say it more clearly. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything from subatomic particles to galaxies, only God is the created, uh, only, only God who created all things can redeem them. Creation is the foundation stone of the gospel. So you go to public school. The first thing they do is tell you about a big and a bang, and they remove God. Boom. 
And then they wonder, kids don't know if they want to be a boy or a girl. Well, let me explain to you what you did. You removed moral absolutes. You removed the creator. If he's not a creator, he doesn't have to care for his creation. Therefore, he can't tell me what to do. The reason why my kids don't have to listen to you is because you don't feed them. You don't discipline them. So they don't, they, they're, they're not, the Bible says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Not everyone else's husband. Your own husband. Because you're accountable to who you're responsible for. And vice versa. So, so this whole thing like, so you remove God from the equation as the creator. He's not the judge. Who is he? Savior, I don't need to be saved. I need a sex change. You, you get what I'm saying? This is, but this is what they're pushing in the schools. When you remove God as the creator, when you remove God as the creator, they are making a whole society mentally ill. When you remove moral absolutes, mental illness moves in. And then they go, no problem, we got drugs, man. And they don't wear chains. They wear suits. All right. The most cherished possession I wish I could leave you is my faith in Jesus Christ. For with him and nothing else you can be happy. Now you know this because we see this all over the world. You walk into a guy's shack. He has broken sandals and he's smiling like this. No electricity and he's happy and you're looking at him and you're going, man, I'm not that happy. <laughs> Sorry. But without him and with all else, you will never be happy. In other words, everything minus him is nothing. Him minus everything is everything. <laughs> that was an interesting equation. All right. Authority is about influence. We're talking about ways to administer authority here. Another one is brokering time, and I'm going to broker this time by ending because we are 18 minutes later than we would like to be. Okay. You have to give someone or something permission to influence you. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. There was a guy, and he started to write to me on uh, Facebook years ago as if he was influencing me. And he was talking to me about someone that I know personally. And um, he was talking bad about them as if his opinion about them was the fact. And I wrote back to him and said, I haven't given you permission to influence me. I know him. You have to really give permission for someone or something to influence you. Be very cautious and careful who and what you give permission to. See, before we focus on who we are influencing, let us ask who and what is influencing us. In other words, when you do something, you got to ask yourself, why are you doing that? Why? It's a very important question to learn to ask. It may change the things you do if you start figuring out why. When someone goes crazy in A1 and sin, I don't ask them, what did you do? That's not the right question. The question is why? What's wrong? What's bothering you? What's, what's the real issue? Why? Okay, we have authority to become sons and for the women, daughters, and to fulfill the Father's will and His plans. Now, we pray for His will, but really what most of us are praying for is His plans. His will is inward. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, which means I, Paul could do that from a jail cell, from a prison, from a penthouse, at an outreach, on a missions trip, at work, because that is inward. It is inward. That is not the plans of God. That is the will of God. Many times we're praying for the will of God, but what we're really wanting is the plans of God. We're wanting something outward, and he's focused on, I need to do something inward, because when it's done inward, naturally it will flow out. But many times, 
people want to do something instead of become something. God wants you to become something so you naturally do things. That's very, very different. Um, it's just a very different mentality. Um, you are not a human doer. Your value is not based on what you do. How do I know that? Because Christ died for you while we were yet sinners, which means we were doing everything against him, nothing for him, yet he died for you. Therefore, your value is not based on what you do. It's based on what he did. See, the value of something is always determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. That's the whole, the whole basis of capitalism, in which it may not be perfect, but it's literally the best system in the world because the person who is selling something determines the value. So if you say, oh, well, I don't think that that's valuable. No problem. You don't have to buy it. You can go down the store, you know, to another store down the street and buy it over there. That's how freedom works. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Some of you don't like freedom. I don't know. I can drop you off in Haiti. You can, you can experience lawlessness. So anyway, this is um, what we're talking about as it relates to authority is all related to submission. So if I would submit my life to Christ, what is flowing in his life? What's flowing in my life? His authority. So I have access to what I submit to. What I don't submit to, I don't have access to in plain language. If when, I, if when a demon speaks to me, I move. When I speak to a demon, it will not move. Are you, are you tracking with me? So if I'm submitted to Christ, you resist the devil, what does the devil have to do? Flee. That means the devil does not have permission to torment me, harass me, bother me in my sleep, talk to me, text me, call my phone, leave voice messages on my phone, he gets deleted. He does not have access. And if he has access to your mouth, then he's not going to have access to my phone. Cut it off. Don't give the devil access. Cut it off. Cut it off. Snip, snip. All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we have access to your authority. And we thank you that you didn't cut us off, but you brought us in. And so, Lord, we just ask you to help us to submit our life and to flow with your authority, with humility, with grace, with gentleness and kindness but with authority. Today, Lord, as we bless people, we pray that your love and your authority and your power would flow. And Lord, that is not just for an outreach. It's for our everyday life. It's for the places that you send us. It's for our families, that they are supposed to be beneficiaries of us relating to your authority well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.